Hello, listeners. Just a uh, word of warning. Uh, there be spoilers and cussing ahead. Also, go to our YouTube channel, Independent Creator Studios, for an extended video version only of this podcast. Hello, I'm Andrew Gentile. And I'm Ariana. And you're listening to Behind the Flicks. This show is all about me sharing as many facts as I know about filmmaking and directors and behind-the-scenes info about movies and whatnot to Ariana. And you'll join us for the ride. Okay, everybody. So today we have a very special episode. We have two very special guests. Um, And I'm just going to go out and say it. Who I love like brothers, you know? They're brothers to me. Oh. You're like my dad. And if they don't quiet down before the respective introductions, I will harass them like brothers to, uh, before so that they stop. Okay, um, dad. <laughs> All right, uncle. Uncle Andy. Okay, this first guest I attended community college with. Uh, every time I saw that we had a film class together, I would say to myself, well, that's the last chance I have of being the best filmmaker in this class. Uh, here's He knows how to direct actors. He's got story structured down like nobody else. And all in all, he's a better filmmaker than I ever will be. Please welcome Garrett McDade. Okay, well, um, I'm going to have to counteract uh, that praise with some humble. I'm a, I'm a steaming pile of garbage. My name is Garrett McDade. And I, uh, True. I love filmmaking as much as Andrew does. And uh, we just love watching movies. And I think this podcast is going to be a lot of fun. I, I got to say, Garrett, if you are claiming that you love movies as much as Andrew does, I'm expecting some proof here. I've been talking movies with Andrew for a long time. You love movies as much as Andrew. You're really impressing me right now. You know what? Yeah, I think that may have been... uh, Andrew is possibly the biggest movie geek on the planet, which is why he's so perfect for this podcast. Worthy title, and I'm grateful. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) No, He loves taking compliments. Can't you tell? (laughs) I'm honored. I'm honored. Speaking of why you're a better filmmaker, while at community college, I watched your film, What Lies Below, uh, which was shot by our next guest, whom I will introduce. While watching What Lies Below, I was, I was really awestruck. I, I was like blown away by the cinematography in that film. Uh, I thought the cinematographer must have had like decades of experience. I thought I mean, he must have been like 40 years old. Um, then Garrett told me that one, the cinematographer was a pal from high school, and two, he was 19 years old at the time. I have had the privilege of working with our next guest on many projects. He is a master of light, shadow, and color, and composition. And ultimately, so long as he keeps working, I have no doubt in my mind that he will be remembered as one of the great artists of all time. Please welcome Max Hurley. Wow. I, Andrew, I, I don't think I could have asked for a better introduction. Um, definitely that, better and, and than I, Garrett, so I appreciate that. And look, thing. I mean, <laughs> look, I mean, I, and I mean all that, by the way. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Um, So just to address the audience, I and I'm going to give some praise to you as well, Andrew, because it's only fair. Um, You know, I've told you this and I I do believe it's true. Um, You know, it's always such a pleasure working with you because I don't know, you just are. Well, you may think that, say, Garrett or I are better filmmakers. Andrew, you are really great too, and you are just so creative and, and fantastic. So it is truly an honor and a privilege to be on this podcast. 
Ariana. Yes. Can we get a review of this episode's film? Yes. This episode's film is called Heat. I think when I was looking at the um, the synopsis, says May 96. Am I right about this? Is it 96 or 95? Hold on. Somewhere in there, definitely. Andrew, in you gotta 90s. know this. this is no, no, it's, it's in my notes. It's in my notes. <laughs> uh, crap. I uh, love putting Andrew on the 1995. 1995. <laughs> okay, yes, 95. He got it eventually. Don't worry. Um, but this movie was awesome. It is epic. Yes. It's almost three hours long. But <laughs> I found myself like every time I would pause it to like get some water or grab something to eat because you need to take breaks in this movie. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh my gosh, they've done so much already. And there's another hour and a half left. What are they going to do? And I totally expected to be bored and it did not bring that. Not a single time. It totally invested the entire time. It's basically about these two guys that are two sides of the same coin. One is a hardcore robbery homicide detective and the other one is just a... Uh, criminal trying to steal his way into what his dream life and um it's they're just cat and mouse the whole time and it is epic robert de niro al pacino at their best it was awesome recommend definitely a a, a plus yes. because how, how most movies cannot keep you captivated for three hours that's true well, i can say it definitely keeps you captive uh, i can't agree with everything uh, uh, you guys uh, think <laughs> <laughs> that's okay this is just the beginning of our disagreements i'm excited to see how far they go <laughs> <laughs> oh we're gonna hate each other by the end of this yeah. thing <laughs> max chose this film but garrett what are your thoughts uh well i just watched it um i finished it about an hour ago and um i would i definitely agree that it is long and to to um Reiterate uh, some of Ariana's. Oh, whoa! Oh my God! You know, I had some Pathetic. vodka before this. It's already oh, kicking in. No. <laughs> to reiterate Ariana's words, yes, there are those moments where it's like, oh, there's an hour and a half left. What are they gonna do? And in my mind, it was more of like, oh, there's an hour and a half left. What could they possibly have to still offer us as a movie? Because. I think the movie's kind of all over the place. It is, uh, I felt like it was more like a director's cut. And while the director's cut, you know, people love it. Uh, Snyder, the Snyder cut, very popular uh, version of the Justice League. But there was so much that I just felt could have been cut out. I thought the editing was really lackluster. And even where shots would just go on for way too long. Um, I don't know when the last time you guys saw the movie was, but... Um, uh, I'll get into more of uh, what I thought. I actually, I laughed so so hard. I laughed at, too. I laughed too <laughs> at certain moments, yeah. At Al Pacino's performance. Yes! <laughs> I, Sorry, couldn't, I couldn't help but just think of, I literally had the Dunkachino uh, from that, you know, Adam Sandler movie, that scene playing through my mind, because he was so, he was loud, he was, he's got a great ass, you yeah, know. He's got a great ass. Great ass. Um, Watch your language. This is a family a show, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was definitely the best part of this movie, in my opinion. Um, so, Max. Yes. You gave me a list of films that we could talk I about. I did and, give you a list of films. That's true. And uh, out of that list, I chose Heat. Um, you did. Surprise me. Uh, uh, well, first of all, why did it surprise you? Because you were the one who gave me the list. And second of all... <laughs> I don't know. This. I thought you probably. I, I don't know. I thought you would have went with the other ones, but I'm happy that you you chose Heat, and I'm I'm really glad that you liked it so much, Ariana. I'm I'm really happy. Um, 
For me, um, look, I'm going to be honest. It. I just rewatched it today, actually, as a matter of fact. And um, it had been like a couple of years since I'd seen it. But, you know, I definitely think I'm... I definitely see where you're coming from, Garrett, in terms of the criticisms. Like, it is really long, um, and there is definitely some stuff that could be cut. But I chose this movie because, despite that, I do think it is really just such a ah, such a great 90s crime thriller. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like Ariana. Like, I felt captivated for pretty much all of it, the entire runtime, um, save for a few moments. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's like, I I, use, I don't hear people talking a lot about heat nowadays. And so I just was like, it's, it's such a good movie. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. So yeah, yeah. I would agree that it is a great 90s crime thriller. But, mm. um, you know, if it has to be defined by its decade and how good it is within the decade, I, I can't say that as a glowing endorsement for the movie itself. Sure, you know, that's that's true. Um, like, honestly, so when I was watching this, uh, I definitely noticed some, some stuff that felt dated. Like, I, I did like some aspects of the score, but at the same time, it felt kind of like of its time and of its era. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, um, I know exactly which kind, part. I know, I know, <laughs> I know you know, I know you know. Um, but on the whole though i i did really like the cinematography and i liked just kind of the color palette of it like how it was really kind of cool and blue and just uh, it looks really nice and um but yeah as far as the editing you know i thought it was okay but you know i definitely could see yeah maybe the pacing could be improved a bit i will i will grant you that one garrett um but yeah and okay but also i do want to talk about al pacino because that (laughs) oh my like, great I, ass she's got a great ass also when he fucking he he went to see that the guy um like the informant or whatever and he's and he says like give me all you got and he just like <laughs> that was yeah. just the, i laughed out loud it was so funny and then as he's leaving he says don't waste my motherfucking time it's just he is so good so i w- watch your goddamn language so, again so family show funny. Oh, shit. i apologize yeah uh, you can bleep you? this out right <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just leave it out. No, no, we're leaving it all in. Oh, oh, uncut, okay. unrated, uncut, raw. <laughs> oof, oof. Okay. Oh my gosh! Um, Can you uh, imagine uh, if we had like a rated R version of one of our podcasts? Yeah, sorry, sorry, Grandma. <laughs> Andrew, should we get some of your thoughts on the movie? I feel like we've all. Yeah, I'd like to get you. your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. I want to hear what Ar- I know you're about what f- Ariana wants to say. Oh, uh, yeah. Ariana, oh, yeah, what course. do you think of this crosstalk? Um, I think that uh, in terms of Al Pacino because like the decade stuff you guys are talking about like I'm super lost I don't know what you're talking about Mm. like in terms of the 90s decade and what movies look like back then and like the time tells that are signature like all that stuff is like out of my realm, but I am so fascinated. Like you guys are talking about that, I'm like, what? It, what was it? That was '90s. <laughs> I need to know so I know what to look for. <laughs> but Al Pacino's performance-wise, I, I mean, I did notice he was yelling a lot, and I definitely saw. <laughs> I don't know. For me, it kind of seemed like because when he was at home, he wasn't necessarily different. He just kind of chose not to talk that much, like almost like he wasn't free to be like that angsty angry person elsewhere like at home Mm -hmm. and i don't know it just i I kind of felt like (sighs) 
I guess real to him. Like he's like when he said that he needs to be on edge all the time. Like he right. really is like on edge in his normal life all the time. And the second he goes out and work and actually deals with people, he just explodes constantly. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like that's true dynamic. to who he is. Yeah, so that makes movie. sense for the character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is funny, but it does like, come across pretty ridiculous at times. <laughs> right, yeah. all right. Yeah, when he bumps into a scene, first thing he says is, "Holy shit, what are you guys doing here? I, <laughs> give me what you got. Oh, we lost them. Ah, oh, how did we lose them? I, you know, it's, it's just it's crazy. It really knocks <laughs> you off guard every single time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe those, that's what it's like. You know, yeah. That's what it's like uh, meeting Al Pacino. So it's a beat. No, being being Al Pacino. It's uh, it's like living his skin, Garrett. Okay. It's uh, sounds like a standard uh, Monday for me. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, I uh, I transform into Al Pacino, and then uh, then I uh, go go on down. uh, Robert De Niro. Whoa. Into so, the calm, cool, collected, never raises his voice at anything ever. Right. He's very he's, cool. Yeah. He's very Super cool. cool. He's probably the best actor yeah. in the movie, honestly. Robert De Niro? <sighs> yeah, absolutely. I, in my opinion. I could, Where, yeah, I could see that. It's like Robert De Niro. You're either going to get something great or you're going to get uh, meet, the Fo- meet the Fockers. <laughs> <Ooh>. Great role. <laughs> This is oh, somewhere okay. in between. Is that what you're saying? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, or you're going to no, get um, uh, Dirty Grandpa. How about yeah, that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, or my. you're going to get Dirty Grandpa. I think it was a Dirty Grandpa. Is, is that? That was oh, him. I'm thinking of Bad Grandpa as the other grandpa movie. Lots of grandpas movies. There are a lot of grandpa movies. Yeah. And I got to say, I laughed that entire movie as bad as it was. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> There's a reason we keep her on the podcast. <laughs> so we can have, I got to offer you guys a flip side. So we can have an eclectic uh, range of films. It's true. All right, you guys ready for the facts? So ready. Yes. My body's ready, Andrew. I mean, and I mean, I'll just I'll just leave that alone. I'll just leave that alone. My ears. That's what I meant. My ears. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, what, what were you thinking? I was thinking you were excited about uh, learning facts. I am excited. That's true. Too excited. excited. Michael Mann, prior to Heat, directed such films as Thief and Manhunter. Manhunter being the first film adaptation of the novels featuring the iconic character Hannibal Lecter. Michael Mann, also prior to Heat, produced NBC's 80s crime drama Miami Vice. However, even before the success of Miami Vice, Mann had written 180 paid screenplay in 1979 that would become the genesis for 1995's Heat. Ooh. Interesting. Wow. I didn't know that. Remind me, is Michael Mann the writer of this uh, movie? He's the writer and director. Writer and director. Dang. That's pretty cool. I've never seen any of the other movies you mentioned, so it's hard for me to see the connection there. But it's kind of what kind of movie did it get in, inspired by? What kind of movie is Miami Vice? Uh, Miami Vice was a, uh, was originally a TV series Oh. and NBC TV series. Same kind of principle, like cop and bad guys. Uh, well, I mean, I actually, I, I've never seen it because it's an 80s TV, TV series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Entire yeah. Show. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, then, so. I'm not prepared. I'm not that prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I expect you to have seen every single thing that has ever existed. Okay. Right. I, I, no, no, it's I know. It's true. I'm, just, I'm surprised every time. 
Mm-hmm. I know I'm a disappointment. Ariana, <laughs> Garrett, say that. Max, mm. let's talk about that project, story surrounding heat, and more. Ooh, okay. All I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. The aforementioned Genesis for Heat became a 90-minute television pilot titled L.A. Takedown. Due to the mixed reactions of critics, L.A. Takedown was aired only as a standalone movie of the week in 1989. However, Michael Mann did not give up on the spark that led him to create that failed pilot. That spark was the real-life experiences of an ex-Chicago cop by the name of Chuck Adamson. In 1963, Adamson was investigating a professional robber who was also named Neil McCauley, the same character as in the movie. What? That's crazy. Based on a true story. Um, uh, But he uses his actual name in the movie? Yeah. Wow. That's like unheard of nowadays. That's pretty crazy. It's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Well, actually, (laughs) actually not really, because when the cop, because, uh, well, I'll get to that later on. Okay. When the cop and robber when the cop was investigating the robber, uh, they, in real life, they just bumped into each other. Like, oh. in a parking lot, I think. Yeah, that's crazy. Here, Here's the thing that's even crazier. In real life, they had coffee. <gasps> oh. oh, wow. According to Mann, the conversation portrayed in Heat between Macaulay, played by Robert De Niro in the movie, and the character Lieutenant Vincent Hanna played by Al Pacino, is actually pretty close to what they said in reality. What? Oh, interesting. That, I love that scene. So yeah, that's a great scene, yeah. Garrett, what do you think of that scene? That is unreal. I mean, that felt like such a Hollywood thing, like the two like sort of having this chat before they uh, basically have a showdown at the uh, bank heist. I mean, that's that's that's... I, I, it's unbelievable that they actually did that in real life. Yeah. Garrett, you said uh, that that was a lawsuit going to happen? Yeah, usually if, like, um, uh, movie creators use, like, the real names of even criminals, um, and it's, like, uh, it's not based on, like, objective reality, Right. then, you know, they can be sued for, like, uh, depictions that are false. Of course. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, it was no problem because Adamson later killed Macaulay during a failed robbery. Oh, he's dead. Okay, great. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, no lawsuit. So no lawsuit. you're you're right. <laughs> but he's dead, so he couldn't do anything. But he's it. dead. So it, and so he really was killed. Spoiler alert. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, in real life. Yeah. I always mm-hmm. like as I watched that ending, I thought if this movie was made today, they would have let him get away, I bet. I think I don't think they would have killed him. At the end? Yeah. Yeah. I think they would have let possible. the villain yeah. go if this movie was made 2020. So many people we like so many people are falling in love with villain and villain stories and wanting right. people to go free and like I, I don't think that they would have killed him off. So when I thought about that, I'm like, oh, this is that might maybe this is a 90s tell. That's true. <laughs> but it's what really happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's been a very there was a progressive like transformation of of that sort of dynamic from like the old hollywood with the the movie code where like lawmen had to be shown as winning in in basically every situation or it wouldn't be like um falling in line with these like object these these rules that they had set for hollywood films yeah that's crazy i mean um yeah we're just seeing the middle point with that spark that michael mann harbored 
Still lingering, even after the perceived failure of L.A. Takedown, he rewrote that TV movie with the intention of big, bringing it to the big screen. Then, success came for the director. 1992's Daniel Day-Lewis starring The Last of the Mohicans. Oh! Oh, yeah. Did he make that? Yeah. He did. He directed it, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Very different than Heat. <laughs> just a little bit, just a tiny bit. The Last of the Mohicans was a critical and box office success and enabled him to fall through with his long gestating project, now retitled Heat. Snap! There we go. Legendary actors Al Pacino and Robert De Niro were man's first choice for the cop and robber characters, respectively. They both immediately agreed to be in the film. Despite the fact that Al Pacino and Robert De Niro did star together in The Godfather Part Two, they did not appear on screen together. So, Heat marked their first on-screen collaboration. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it was basically all in that coffee shop scene. Uh, like, that happened decently early in the film. I mean, they're, like, on screen together a lot, but mostly it's, like, shooting at each other, staring. You know, they don't really <laughs> yeah. talk. And yeah. so, like, that's, like, the only scene. And it happened so early in the movie, I expected the movie to exploit more of that relationship, but it didn't. And I, I thought that was really cool. I thought that they, like, did it where it was supposed to go and then made it very clear that these guys are not, like, friends. They're after each other in a way. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like, I gave I gave the filmmakers props for that. Thank you, Michael Mann, for not abusing that fun because it was a lot of fun to watch them at that coffee shop together. In my opinion, Los Angeles, and you and by the way, this is just a free flowing thing. Okay. Uh, this topic, in my opinion, Los Angeles is almost a character in and of itself in the film. What do you guys mm-hmm. think? That's funny because I actually that brings up one thing. I thought that was really funny throughout the movie is that everybody has a house that has basically a mansion overlooking the city. If you live in this world, you have a mansion in the Hollywood Hills, even though uh, even the bookstore um, employee, I, I forget her name, uh, Robert De Niro's love interest, she lives in like Beverly Hills. It just made no sense. It was so funny. <laughs> you guys notice that? Yeah, I noticed well, yeah. that. Didn't she explain? I mean, like, both of the, except for Robert De Niro's, because he's rich and he can yeah, buy rich. whatever he wants, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. both of the other houses were explained in the movie. So I guess I, I it didn't seem weird to me. Okay. As it was there. Because then the girl, when they were talking in the first meeting with Robert De Niro at the restaurant, say how she got this place that was, like, really crappy. And it was a little more expensive, but it had a great view. Ah, there we go. And then the Al Pacino was blaming the ex-husband of his new wife and his like ridiculous postmodern ugly mansion. Yeah. So they all they came from other places. So I guess I didn't think of it like that. Makes but sense. you're right. Everybody in the film does have really nice houses, and they yeah, yeah. all look look over the city. Yeah, it's too it's too, it's not too far out of the realm of, of belief. So I won't. Uh... Hate on it for that. <laughs> right. That was part two of our disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> the houses. <laughs> the the light is so crazy in LA and it's never been captured like that before in filmmaking. Like because like I don't know what you got what do you cinematographers think of this? Uh the cinematographers in this discussion, but uh, you know. Um the cinematography in this film I think is pretty great. Yeah. No, it's, it's pretty totally good, yeah. 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 I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. 
So I, I think this is going to be some tech talk, guys. So uh, be be ready to get deep oh into this. Here we go. Thinking cap. Beep boop. Michael Mann decided that he wanted to capture the nighttime light of the city while also showing the actors' faces. This decision was a tall order back in 1995 as Heat was shot on film. Meaning, if you were shooting a scene on film, you can capture the actors' faces at night, you can capture the nighttime lighting of L.A., but not both at the same time. Like, maybe you guys can explain it better than I can, but there's such a dynamic range. Like, there's such a... There's only so much that film can capture. Um, and yeah. you can't, and back in 1995, you couldn't like to digitally manipulate it. So you just had the actor's faces and the sky and then, right. Well, yeah, you expose for one area, you know, yeah. and it's kind of hard to expose for another area that's lit completely different. So I thought, I thought, uh, like, uh, it was kind of funny, um, just talking about lighting in there. I think, I think it must've been because they had like a warm light in the actors and they were standing out in the balcony, but like, I was and, just like, getting to that to- scene. Oh, like, you know, the city lights are just so blue. They're like a, a dark blue cyan. It was kind of weird. And then Robert De Niro, like, he addresses that the lights are so pretty. And they look so weird. and alien. Oh, no, like, I was just... I was just <laughs> that's that's definitely intentional, scene. yeah. Michael Mann's wish to have the actors' faces captured and the background captured was a tall order. And so it would require a unique solution. So Michael Mann and his cinematographer, Dante Spinetti decided that the characters of Neil McCauley and his love interest, Edie, when they're talking on the balcony overlooking the L.A. cityscape, they decided that they would shoot the scene with the actors in front of a green screen and expose the film in order to focus on the actors. Then the cinematographer had the green screen and the actors removed and shot the L.A. background. Then in post, they combined them, and uh, through this method, man got the light of the city as well as the performances. Oh, and also, this is only going to be interesting for uh, tech guys, but uh, because L.A. has such, at night, uh, has such a, uh, you know, is dark, and yet there's, like, the that light, they shot at, at two to three frames per second, the background. Wow. Oh. And then, uh, you know, normal film, when you're capturing actors, is 24 frames per second. Hmm. And so they shot the background at two to three frames per second. That way they get more light exposed for each frame. Oh. And Doesn't so, that basically mean they have to be a master at holding the camera? There's uh, a tripod, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm so going to... really I'm, good balance. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is going to be a big critique of that scene. Okay. That looks so dated. That looks so It does look dated. pretty dated, yeah. Yeah. pretty fake. What do you guys think? Yeah, when I, when I was talking about the lights, I wasn't talking about that scene, but that scene oh, okay. did have it did look dated. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was all absorbed in what they were talking about. I probably wasn't even paying so attention good. to the that's background. <laughs> the movie succeeded then. Yeah, it distracted yeah. me thoroughly. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, since I mean, I don't want to say that we've obviously ever worked on anything near uh, anything quite like Heat, but. You know, since we do, like, kind of make stuff, I think that's probably why we noticed it, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah, it was a little noticeable, but I, it didn't really, yeah. like, take it away that much from me. Like, I still kind of was engrossed in the scene a little bit, but, um, yeah. Uh, God bless you, Ariana. I love you. You're, <laughs> you know, that, you're the ideal audience because you're, you know. 
<laughs> I mean, what do you guys? I mean, she's the ideal audience, right? That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Now I know just uh, don't pay attention. No, 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 that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Don't let these okay. stupid little technical things get in the way of you enjoying the film. If you're there enjoying it. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 If you are focusing on just the technical aspects, I don't think you are truly watching the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of L.A., guys, that that was kind of like my excited, excited. <laughs> you know what, Andrew? I live for your transitions. I'm so ready for them. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of L.A., there were no sets built for heat, which is very unusual for a film. Every single scene was shot on location. For example... The climax and ending of the film, which in the film takes place at the Los Angeles International Airport, was actually shot at the Los Angeles International Airport. Of course. Whoa. Are you going to tell us later how much movie this thing made? How much money how this much movie, movie made? <laughs> I'm just so like rattled by what just happened. How much movie did the money make? Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um, I can tell you that one. I just looked it up. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> So it had a budget of $40 million, and uh, due to pretty successful uh, critical and uh, and uh, audience you know, reception, it made, I think, $189 million worldwide. So, and it actually stayed within its budget of $40 million, shooting on location at, like, 50 different places. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's insane. I may, uh, by the way, this is why I have guests, so they can fill in the research I haven't done. <laughs> i have no idea how much he made i was interested too when i watched it so yeah we, we think alike <laughs> well after well, that i thought <laughs> god bless you garrett um max you're okay no. the ambi- <laughs> that's fair enough i understand uh the ambitious crime film took 107 days to shoot i wow. guess that that pretty big number was not only due to the epic two-hour and 50-minute runtime and over 80 filming locations, but also because of man's insistence of doing about 20 or 30 takes per scene. Now, we got, we got two... It's got to suck. <laughs> I know, no, poor Al Pacino's voice. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I was there today. She's got a great ass. Great ass. Times. That would be... Incredible. Is this what our podcast has devolved to? Impressions <laughs> yes. of Robert of so uh, sorry, Pacino. Andrew, I'm so sorry. Say, what a great ass. I was. A- I, of all the yelling moments, I was most thrown off by that one. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he yelling about that? That's so funny. Oh boy. I mean, uh, okay. So I, I actually want to hear your, you, the directors and the audiences, Ariana audience's opinion on this the viewer's opinion on this uh what does doing like 20 30 takes give to the filmmaker and the audience feel free Ooh. to jump in it's a good question well if you I can mean, do it in options. fewer takes <laughs> yeah, you, i yeah more options you know and you just give the actor i guess more opportunities to just work on the scene and and just be the best that they can um you know, like I obviously, Andrew, as you probably know, like Stanley Kubrick, he did so many takes, you know, in The Shining and all of his movies, really. And in my opinion, his films are some of the best ever made. So it definitely has its merit. But at the same time, it does put 
a lot of strain and toil on the actors and the production. So it's it's definitely kind of a, a double-edged sword. So I think the most uh, egregious uh, example of that is Stanley Kubrick doing like right. uh, 80 Shelley takes. Shelley Duvall. Hello, I'm Shelley Duvall. <laughs> I'm uh, Shelley Duvall. <laughs> until she was crying. He did he did yeah. so many takes because he wanted to get her distressed in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be used for a almost a bad, uh, you know, if you're trying to yeah. get for that. Yeah, it's like, why aren't they supposed to be acting? Why do you gotta <laughs> actually stress yeah. it out like that? <laughs> um, yeah. It's yeah. fucked up. Oh, fricked up. That's fricked up. That's, <laughs> that's, fricked that's what you said. You said frick, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was the family show, goddammit, as program. Andrew would say. <laughs> you might need to bleep that one out. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. You said it. It's gonna be, it's in. Oh, Listen. God. You're, and and you're, I'm going to show this to your mother. So oh, no. <laughs> She listens to the podcast. Do you talk to her regularly, Andrew? Uh, no comment. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Wait a oh, second. A- uh, look, as a filmmaker, I put that in quotes for myself. As a filmmaker, um, I, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I know Max has shot with me a lot. If I'm worried, I do like nine takes. That's the most I've like ever done. If I'm worried. You know, yeah. and then I'm like, I'm tired. Let's I'll fix an editing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I should point out, though, is for something like if you're just, you know, he had a budget like these actors right. were getting paid. You know, if you were right. zero budget and you're demanding like 10, like not 15, 20 takes, that is just absurd and ridiculous. Right. So it, it definitely has, I don't know, much more merit on a bigger budget. production. Yeah. And need I remind you that this film was shot on film. And that's expensive. Right. It's much more expensive it's super than digital. Expensive. Let's just get back to the facts. Yes, please. Mm. We were talking earlier. I, I believe we were talking earlier about the shootout sequence, right? It's a great part of the movie. That yeah, was. Yeah. Okay. Even Probably if you don't love. Uh, that is the best part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even even if you didn't love the rest of the movie, the shootout on the street sequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, usually, and I know uh, the filmmakers here know this, in filmmaking, gunfire sounds, uh, sound effects are usually replaced during the post-production of the film. That way, the filmmaker has more control over what the audience is hearing. So, like, you can specifically choose, like, like if you have footsteps, you can uh, ch- choose, like, what kind of footsteps you have. In Heat's case, the gunfire reverberates and echoes throughout the streets and buildings. That effect could only be captured in reality. And uh, I think that's why the scene is like like half of the reason the scene's so visceral. And oh yeah, cap- absolutely. It sounds like no other movie shootout sequence I've ever seen. It's so real. It's very yeah yeah. Not that we have been in the middle of, of something like that, but it feel it sounds just so much more realistic than just. <laughs> We've robbed a few typical. banks in our time. Yeah, we have. We have. You know. Yeah. Uh, no big deal. So that means we could say. <laughs> that's, <for> right. <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> yeah you definitely sense that and you know watching it like because i'm used to i don't watch a lot of like older style movies either so everything nowadays definitely is sugar-coated i mean they try to make it sound you know real but it's all like kind of finessed and fun and watching that scene was insane like it was super in time with the guns that they were shooting every gun sounded different 
Like, and the sound itself, like, I was watching it in my living room, and my TV is not the best, so I had the volume decently high for most of the movie, just to hear everyone talking. And the second that scene dropped in, I swear, like, it woke up my entire house. (laughs) They make it so much louder, and I feel like that brings you, like, into the intensity of, like, how realistic it is. You know why that uh, gunfire sounded real? Because it was real? Because it was real. <laughs> it was the gunfire captured live during the filming. Like, they were they were still blanks, though, right? It was right? blanks, they, yeah. Well, yeah, there were blanks. But, but you know, okay. the actual reverberation of the buildings, they use they used yeah. no post-production sound effects for that sequence. Was Al Pacino real in there? No. Was he CG? <laughs> yeah, probably. I could have sworn. Oh, my goodness. They had graphics back then. And that, and that brings us to the last fact. Uh, this film, Heat, went on to, as we mentioned, become a huge critical and box office success and influenced such filmmakers as Christopher Nolan, uh, who went on to direct The Dark Knight. You know, remember that bank high sequence, the prologue, yeah. the beginning of The Dark Knight? Yeah. Hu- huge influence. Uh, influence. Yeah. 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 Um, I felt like... Uh, Grand Theft Auto. It felt like a, a lot of those heists, especially the Pacific Standard heist at the end, just like fighting in the in the Los Angeles streets. It felt uh, indicative of that, or you know, at least well, also, GTA felt like that. Yeah, the first heist isn't there literally like a mission in GTA where you like get in this big truck and you push over, you like run into. It's literally in the game. Oh my right? god! And that's also, in the yeah, game. That's in the game. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Your guys, your you guys, guys are talking game about... geek is showing. <laughs> you guys are talking about video games? That game is basic. <laughs> it's so Nerd. basic. Nerd. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. It's it's literally the same scene. Yeah. Wow. They just ripped it, they ripped it off from this movie. They probably did. They did. I'm sorry. It. Darn amazing. <laughs> it really was it cool. It is amazing, yeah. Speaking of Christopher Nolan. Yes. Uh, he... Actually, if you watch the Blu-ray bonus features of Heat, he interviews Michael Mann, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. In that bonus disc, Al Pacino reveals the backstory to his character and reveals that he acted crazy because his character did cocaine. Oh, Al Pacino. Oh. That all makes sense. Yeah, it did all make sense. It's why he had he needed to take the opportunity to talk about women because he's been dying to probably, <laughs> you know. When you're like hopped up on cocaine, I'm assuming there's some you know things going on inside of you you can't control all the time, and like he he took the opportunity to express his frustrations. <laughs> he was wasn't wasn't the best time in his marriage at that point either. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So he's feeling marriage. a little thirsty. He had to say something. <laughs> at the top level of his voice. At the top, that's true. <laughs> that's, a, that's thirsty Al Pacino right there. <laughs> one image, I uh, look, man. I, Al Pacino. I respect you. One image I never want to see is Al Pacino thirsty. <laughs> you know, that's or a just... Dunkachino. Oh. Jack hey. and Jill, yeah. That Was that from Jack and Jill? Yeah. Ah, oh, yikes. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna make that reference I didn't anymore. See that one. <laughs> What? I do love Adam Sandler, but I didn't. Why? Well, it's a great film. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, man. I, well, I won't argue with your movie opinions anymore because obviously, uh, I'm a, uh, I've gone against the uh, critical reception for this movie. I don't think my uh, 
my film uh, intuition is right. <laughs> well, look, I mean, you're right because I'm always right, right? <laughs> right. That's right. Right. Audience. Where's is the Ariana audience score? Is always right. The customer is always right. Oh <laughs> 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 no, I'm just kidding. I got mad respect for you guys, and I love like I love talking about all this stuff because I learned so much. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know, I got I gotta say, uh, I usually don't do this, but it, uh, since I've been a- I was asked earlier by the, you know scimitar from max hurley um <laughs> you know I, I i i i'll tell you my opinion on this movie um yes. i i'm in between max and garrett okay oh you know i mean i think there are some th- parts that uh don't work some parts that do i don't know like like i i i, I admire it but uh and, and it did a lot for cinema of course but uh you know it, it, it it's it's a mixed bag hmm. for me personally but okay. I'm very happy to have covered it. I've learned a lot. And uh, thank you, for Max, for choosing it. Of course. Yeah. Happy to do it. Yeah. And, and <laughs> most of all, it was worth it to bring a smile to Ariana's face. Yes. I'm <laughs> glad you liked it so much, Ariana. Yeah. Aww. Hell yeah. I like all the movies uh, Andrew makes me watch. <laughs> <laughs> Even Snow White? Even Snow White. I, it was hard to get through because it, it felt so dated. Um, but it's still like watching it. I was trying to focus on the history of it and that was pretty magical. So I'm glad I did. All right, guys. I, I, I do have one, uh, one last question for yeah. either Max or Garrett. Cause I, I didn't know Garrett, you does cinematography too. Uh, Max is my cinematographer actually. Okay, great. So Max, I guess, because well, there was he, so well, hold on. many. Don't, don't sell yourself short Garrett, but go on. <laughs> he is, he's a, he's a good cinematographer. Yes. Um, well, I guess for everybody then, because since you guys all understand it a lot more than I do, because there is so many like wonderful lighting moments and just imagery in this movie. Can you yeah. tell me what your favorite one was or the one that you found the most memorable? Um, well, just for me personally, I think it's um, when Neil goes back to his house for the first time and we see his house and we see the uh, the water and it's just so blue and the lighting is all natural and just I, I love that scene and now uh, this is another fact that the shot where like you see the gun on the table that was inspired by a painting um, from the 1930s I unfortunately forget the name of the artist or the title of the painting but um, it's just such a, a beautiful scene but also just I don't know. I, I even really like the lighting for when they got coffee. It just was, I don't know. I, I honestly just like the lighting for, for basically the entire film. It, it was so good. <laughs> what about you, Garrett? Were there, were there anything, uh, any moments that you liked? Yeah. I thought, um, the scene where, uh, they're getting their like weekly or the rest of the cut for their, uh, truck job. Um, and, uh, there's like a shit, I think it's shot in a drive-in theater. Do you know what I'm talking about? The shot yeah. of the truck. It's it's weird because you don't really know what you're looking at at first. It's like because like there are all these lines and they're all like you know they they don't cross. They're kind of parallel, but they're you know rounded, and uh, you don't really know which way is up and which way is down. I thought that was like I don't know. It, it just stuck with me because I had to ask myself uh, where I was until the movie told me. It's pretty yeah. cool. No, it's great. Nice. I'm it's so sorry. Cool. What, what, remind me again. What scene? That that scene was. Uh... What yeah, what were they talking about? It's where um they they're trying to get their cut and they throw a box of of, of papers instead oh, of the money. Oh, that's right. That's oh, right. the drive-in. That's, yeah, that's the drive-in. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, yeah. yeah. Now, now I'm remembering. 
See, so, the movie yeah. is forgettable. <laughs> <laughs> I win! Uh, <laughs> I only have no, so much no, no, no. capacity in my brain cells for three hours. Okay? <laughs> gotta, in, I gotta pick and choose. I know, it's, it's very long. In the movie's defense, in the movie's <laughs> defense, it's, it's not that it's forgettable. It's just that I'm a slow man. Closing thoughts. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell oh, wait. me. You didn't tell me your favorite. Oh right. You know. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite? You, you know. Uh, you, you know. I was thinking about your question, and it brings me up to critique of myself as a filmmaker. Um, what I what I really admire about Max and Garrett is that they're able to think in terms of like composition. Like they're able mm-hmm. to compose a shot, and uh, they're really able to get get like both information and beauty. I can only get information in my shots. So, like, like, how does this shot progress the story, and how's that cut? Like, how's that cut, and like that edit, and that uh, one shot to the next portray the character's emotion, and like what's going sure. on in the story. Meanwhile, Max and Garrett are able to actually like make the shots, like do that, and make the shots look, you know, like paintings. <laughs> and so. Um, and so what I think is that, uh, like, so this is how my brain works. I don't remember a specific shot. I remember the shot. I remember I remember the edit where, at the end, where uh, Al Pacino sees the shadow of Robert De Niro, and it just turns in slow motion, and the light just shines on Al Pacino. I, I think it was Al Pacino. That's cool. Yeah. 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 So, so, like, that edit. So that's what I think. Uh, it's not really – that's, like, three shots, I think. So that's really what I think of. Most of the time at the end of these podcasts, there's something about the movie that I tell people, if you're scared that you're not going to like it, watch it anyways. And if you're scared to sit down for three hours and watch, you know, a, a cat and mouse game more or less, which you think is overdone, don't be scared because you're going to be totally captivated, interested, and fascinated the entire time. Yeah, don't let Garrett tell you otherwise. <laughs> I recommend this movie, actually. Ooh. What? Despite everything I said. Uh, is so? Uh, I, mean, I feel, I I feel like just... I feel like this is a this is a setup for a punchline. But go on. Oh no! Uh, listen, I don't know if it's just because I li- I like heist. I mean, I even like Tower Heist. Believe it or not. Oh, um, really? That's <laughs> I like that movie. Eddie Murphy, uh, Ben Stiller. <laughs> ben Stiller. Let's yes. go. <laughs> so brave in that role. It's it's really like the action is 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 good. Um, I would recommend this, and then go watch Baby Driver because I think that's this movie, but with much more. Um, of its potential sort of unleashed. You can keep heat. heat. I'll uh, take Baby Driver. (laughs) All right. You know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. You take take, uh, Ansel Edgort. I'll take Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He's very handsome. He's a handsome boy. He is. You can can also take Kevin Spacey. Garrett. You have to take Kevin Spacey. Sorry. Uh, Garrett, what what do you have to promote? Well, whenever I watch Baby Driver, uh, from now on, I'm just going to imagine Al Pacino's playing Kevin Spacey, and it's going to be okay, because uh, Al Pacino, <laughs> one more time, he's got a great ass! There we go. Hey! Uh, hey! Okay, <laughs> what what will I promote uh, for the, this episode? Um, I'll be uploading um, a music video within the next two months with uh, Max, and if you want to see my last short film, uh, uh, Some Friendly Vice, it can be found on my channel, Mick Dodgerson, that's uh mick dodgerson m-c-d-o-d-g-e-r-s-o-n and uh, max does the cinematography for that if you want to uh, sample some of his work nice and i gotta say it's really a fantastic short it's uh it's it's amazing and uh you, you guys did a really great job with it and again 
you got the story structure, you got the acting, you got great cinematography. It's a really creative idea. What more could you want? Fantastic filmmaker Garrett is. Max, what would you like to promote? Oh, boy. Um, well, I'm definitely not as prepared as Garrett was for this segment. But um, I, I think I would like to promote, um, and I guess this is Garrett. This is the channel that Garrett and I have. It's called Paper Lantern. And this is where we post a lot of our content that, say, doesn't go on McDodgerson or, or my own personal channel. Um, yeah, you know, we have... I don't know, we post like some, some camera stuff and then also short movies and we're going to post hopefully some music videos as well and uh, yeah, check it out. Alright. Listeners, and this time, watchers, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot us an email at independentcareerstudios at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please write a review and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or this time, YouTube. We'd love to hear your feedback. YouTube. <laughs> Behind the Flicks was created by myself and Ariana. I researched, wrote, and edited this episode. My name is Aaron Gentile. This has been an Independent Career Studios production. Uh-huh.